created live on Fireside. That was a very nice song there. Lovely little prelude into the show. Danny, you're looking wonderful. What have you done to yourself? Oh, you know what? It's just one of those God things. I'm just trying. You know when you have so many messed up things going on in your life that you have nowhere else to go? You've got to go to God. Boy, can I tell you stories. But let's put... (laughs) I'm stealing that from you. Let's put all that on the side burner, though, and welcome to another edition of Doing It Sober Live. And I see our guest, Benji Fleur, has arrived. Benji, how are you doing, Squire? I'm good. How are you? Nice to meet you, Chris. And good to to meet you, too, buddy. Hi, Benji. The hair is looking amazing. I guess God. You have no hair. I know your hair is looking amazing. Thank you for reminding me I have no hair, though. Yeah, I, I didn't know. No, 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 no. The reason why you don't have any hair is because of the fact that your intelligence is so out of this world. Your yep. uh, head couldn't manifest at all, so something got to give. <laughs> I'd like to pose a question to our audience that we all need a hobby, which helps us to pass the time, create a recreational facility for release, and even create a sense or feeling of belonging in the midst of an unfriendly world. To give you a good example, nerds having conventions, which range from superhero idol worship and even nostalgia. Now, the question is, what if your hobby had to be an outlet that could be beneficial for others? An outlet to help pick up the pieces, bury the past, and move forward progressively. Can it include four paws and a tail? Q. Benji Fleischer. The man earned a master's in education and currently serves as the director of operations at Williamsburg House for Sober Living. Tweaking his teaching somewhat, Benji established Dogaholics, an initiative to help youngsters in recovery rebuild while providing a guiding light, so to speak, exposed stimuli of our furry four-legged friends. Benji Fleischer, through his tireless work, may have earned a new few badges of honor. Pioneer, trailblazer, savior. And here he is to chat with us. That's Woo! quite the lead-in. Wow. Well, you deserve it. You deserve it. You've done the so inner, much. The, the inner voice, which is very present for alcoholics, is not having oh, yeah. a lot of what you said. <laughs> well, learn to shut him up. Yeah. Benji, take us back a little bit. Where exactly did your dalliance with addiction begin and whereabouts did it ultimately come to an end? So, I mean, looking back on it, the addictive behaviors were there you know, childhood. In high school, it was weed, alcohol, you know, messing around on weekends. Mm-hmm. About halfway through college, it started to get, you know, weed every day, Sunday, you know, Friday and Saturday night, we would do whatever, you know, Coke, <laughs> ecstasy, mushrooms, <laughs> whatever we felt like, you know. And then towards the end of college, there was a significant change in my behavior with the weed. It was no longer right. something I used recreationally it was how i got through the day it was how i mm-hmm. how i avoided feeling how i avoided dealing sure. with whatever was going on in my life fast forward a few years i met opiates and real quickly it it spiraled down to uh, just a ton of oxycontin and and anything else i could get and then in 2006 this is kind of where the story comes together um i found a place in los angeles oh, speak of the devil one of the dogs it's called Beit Teshuva and is one of the real nonprofits. And what I say, why I say that is, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits in this field, but there's nonprofits that charge 
still twenty twenty five thousand dollars for thirty days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beit Shuva is a true nonprofit where we were people were moving in there with nothing but a garbage bag of clothes, and that's where I was able to get sober, and that is where I got my first job in this field, and. It started out working with, in California at the time, um, it was called Deferred Entry of Judgment. So any of you have been in handcuffs before, you probably are familiar with this. But we would go and petition the courts to have somebody kind of, not their full sentence, but whether it was six months or a year, they would live at Beit right. Shuva. And if they did what they were supposed to, then when it was time for Deferred Entry of Judgment, the Deferred Judgment would be, you're good. You can leave. You don't have to serve these years that are pending. And just a little side note, even with that, there are plenty of people who were looking at five years or 10 years sitting over them, and they still used while they were in treatment. That's just how insidious this is. started there, and I I worked as a tech, and then I became a counselor, and then I was um, the director of admissions. And that's where it really was amazing, because people would call me with nothing, like nothing, nowhere to go. And if I had a bed available, I'd say, you know what? Come on over. I got you. Mm-hmm. And My. yeah, you, that feeling is incredible. Well, I had to finally, you know, try and earn a living. So I went into the for-profit <laughs> field and I started with for-profit sober living and that's where I am now. And what's so interesting is issues or, or hurdles that each group has to deal with, whether it's, you know, in the for-profit sober living, I'm dealing with, you know, the top 5%, maybe 10%, you know, upper middle class and above. But at the nonprofit, we were dealing with anybody. And the problems, there are a lot of similar ones, and there are some that are completely different that are, you know, would say acute to that group. And when I started working in the for-profit, I missed being able to tell somebody, come on over, I got you. I can relate. You can't replace that. Yeah, you can't replace that. And I still get calls. You know, fast forward, I moved to New York in 2013 to continue. And, you know, two, three times a week, I'm getting a call from somebody Mm -hmm. that has no means. You know, they're calling me from a state run facility or wherever, and they have nowhere to go. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing I can do, there's nowhere I can send them. So that was the first part that, like, was just eating away at me. And I always wanted to try and come up with some type of, you know, solution for that. And there's no one solution, but a solution. And then what I started to see with the, um, the young adults from affluence is they never really had to have a job. So people from yeah. the lower socioeconomic, <laughs> it's true. You know, when I was yeah. working a nonprofit, yeah. those, those clients had hustle. They've worked jobs, yeah. they've paid bills, they know what to do with a paycheck, they've you know, held a household and, and all of that. But these young adults that come from affluence, some of them are, are, you know, degrees from one of the top 20 schools in the country, but they have no job experience. Yeah, and what yeah. I found a lot of it is, you guys, is I think our generation, we still had that idea that we could do better than our parents, you know, the American dream. But when you come from great affluence, you don't get that. So these no. young adults are just like, no. how am I ever going to, sh- you know, fill those shoes? They go to school, they get out of school, mm. addiction follows, or it, it just, it started after school. And they come into, you know, they'll do 30 days of inpatient, then they'll come to us for aftercare, which is sober living, outpatient, um, yeah, yeah. usually working with a therapist and a psychiatrist, you name it. And at some point in their trajectory, whether it's 90 days or, you know, day 150, there's 
you know, you can't keep doing treatment 24 hours a day. It's time to go sure. get a life. Right. And for so many, it's get a job. These young adults don't know how to get a job. Their resume has no experience on it. So they spend 30, 60 days futile, futi futility, futile. I don't know. You guys Futily. The word. You're right. Futily. Yeah. yeah. Nail on the head. And what happens is they sabotage. It's too difficult. It's too scary. I'm not getting better. And they use. And then a lot of, in a lot of situations, they'll do that cycle again. Inpatient, sober living, aftercare. Those that who do get circle jobs. Of life. Yeah. And expensive. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. those who do get jobs, a lot of the like, young adult first jobs are at a restaurant or in retail. And everyone's using it's you know we see that yeah. at the sober living they'll go and work and they'll either have a relapse with somebody at work or we'll know mm -hmm. that there's just booze and drugs everywhere so that gives me the off. chills because it's so true so true temptation guys. is everywhere temptation is everywhere but benji a follow-up question to what i just asked and it struck a chord with me while you were talking about uh children with great affluence and it's not a demeaning question in other words to talk down or for that fact to condemn. But in your research working with these kids, I'm betting, or rather, let me just rephrase that, I surmise 99% of the time it's because of maybe low self-esteem that they perhaps feel they don't fit in or they don't feel loved or uh, because of the fact that they received everything, it felt like, uh, sorry, didn't mean for the tongue twister, it fell out of the sky, in other words, mm -hmm. yeah. that um, they were pushed into a corner. Am I off kilter there, no, or am no. I maybe close to the close You're to hitting very home? Very close. You're very close. I mean, that's a big part of it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, there's no one thing, though. Uh, there's no absolutely. one thing. Absolutely. Anything in life, you know, as you get older, you realize there are no absolutes. <laughs> it's you know one of the you you would think that they would have an easier time or you want to judge that, you know, they had all these comforts, but the issues are still really difficult. I mean, it's heartbreaking whether they're from uh, a low income or a high income family. It's, they're broken. We're broken. You know, we, yeah. thank you for giving that answer. Working. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I even would like to think a, 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 a young person, a youngster growing up in a high income family face pressures which is even greater, but yeah. behind the affluence of it all, they can't express it because who would believe them? Yeah. Again, yeah. surmising. Am I wrong or am I close no. to hitting home there? Got it. The perception is that the outsiders need to believe the family is doing great. Mm. It's, it's mm. sad. Um, mm. you know, I deal with it's that narcissistic, with I'm sad to say. It's very narcissistic, yeah. the conditions. Um. Well, any, yeah, any, then you can say that anything that's selfish is narcissistic. It's, well, it's, it's selfish. That's it's, it. It's my feelings. I can't handle them. So for the parent is their feelings are, you know, they're suffering too. They can't handle their feelings and this is how they manage it. I'm just going to control the outsides, make everything look great. And that helps them with all the dysregulation inside. And then the kids learn that. Sure. You know, you, you I would just like to clarify, I called the situation narcissistic, hey? I wasn't pinpointing at one certain thing. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I just wanted to clear you... the air. <laughs> oh, good. In case, air, in air, case air, someone air, was air. pointing their sniper rifle at me, 
<laughs> God forbid you say something wrong in today's culture. <laughs> Let's <laughs> right? not go God, there. Right? Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Um, yeah, let me just say right now, there's stuff that may come out of my mouth that I have no control over. It happens in my everyday This is your life. podcast. No You're more than entitled to. Here. You're more than entitled to. <laughs> it's it's your podcast. Yeah. But the self-esteem, you guys, is 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 pivotal. You know, even sure. at 31, when I moved into Bechuva, I still had very low self-esteem. And I had accomplishments mm. in my life. It, you know, it's very relative. And the lady who ran the right. place, it was so simple. But she said, if you want to build self-esteem, you got to do esteemable acts. You know, and you start with the Oh, I like stuff. that. Start with the smallest stuff, cleaning up after yourself, showering, making your bed, and then you get to the bigger stuff. And a job is the one, you know, mm. to get you to the place mm. where you, even if you're not ready to work, you know, the idea is dogaholics will be able to provide almost a therapeutic work environment for these young adults. And we mm. can get into that, mm. but that's the, that's the gist of it, you know. Um, that's where you get your idea. That's cool. Yeah. What, what is dogaholics? I want to hear about this. So here's so here's where the idea came from. Uh, you know, Daniela knows that I'm dog crazy. Um, yeah. I think dogs are amazing, and I've always had dogs at the houses that I managed. Yeah, and it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, you said about the four legged friends. I mean, you guys, what it does for clients, I can't even, uh, I can't even surmise. It's it's like. It helps them regulate. It it breaks the ice. It takes negativity mm. out of the room. It's just mm. incredible. And there's all the science. The whole atmosphere changes. Yeah. Yeah. I've always called dogs humans, but with four paws and a tail. Yeah. <laughs> and no judgment. And no Never. Judgment. Never, ever, ever. Most never, ever, love ever. you could ever have. Yeah. Unconditional. That's the word. Unconditional. And that's you know, what, I've experienced that in my life as well, currently, recently as well. You know, um, I said at one point, I don't want another pet again because of <laughs> nasty circumstances where uh, a certain member of, who shall remain nameless gave my last dog away without warning. And then the next moment, yeah, I never told you that story, Danny. And then the next moment, uh, here comes my mini bull. And all of a sudden, he's putty. I'm putty in his hands, mind you. And there was just in the first time in this shithole of a life post recovery, there's something that I cared about. So I can imagine that same effect must have been uh, seminal. No, seminal is not the right word. Visible when you began dogaholics, when you began seeing how people's patterns began to change. Yeah. And I saw for myself, I saw what the dogs did for me because I was completely mm-hmm. shut down. Right. You know, I had to, had to remain stoic, even though inside, you know, the Tasmanian mm-hmm. devil was doing his thing. Um, yeah. So the dogs help regulate. <laughs> There's science Good wording. behind it. <laughs> There's tons of science that shows, I mean, the, the dogs release um, acetocin, in your head. I mean, it's, it's really incredible what they do. So it kind of hit me one day, like, holy shit. I'm sorry. Holy moly. No, please. This <laughs> oh, is uncensored. Okay. This isn't one of those. Away. You can do what you like. <laughs> it came together. You guys, I had this like aha moment, like, holy shit. We can provide jobs for all these young adults and it can, 
solve or be a solution for the lack of available care for those who don't come from money. And this is, I'll explain, this is what happened. I, I live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, if anybody knows. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe <laughs> the, the, the gentrification, but still the very um, socially conscious remaining granola e while wearing, you know, I don't know what's a, Daniela, what's a high priced piece of clothing these days? Chanel. I don't know, Burberry. Burberry. Or Gucci. Burberry. Or Gucci. <laughs> Chanel. Yeah. Or Armani. I don't even know. Neither do uh, I. I buy cheap knockoffs. <laughs> um, so there's dogs everywhere here. It's literally a canine alley. And I just said, like, look, this is something no we kidding. can do. It's unbelievable. And I'll get into like that. So the vision was this. We can help both sides with this. So Dogaholics is going to be a one-stop shop in Williamsburg. And it's, it's big. And hopefully we want to scale. The idea is that we can scale this, you know, and that's a big dream. Yeah. First, let me get the, let's get Williamsburg going. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be retail, very different retail where you, it's going to be more like the Apple store. So you don't go into a pet store where there's just 30 different treats with a hundred different colors. And it's just, what do I get? What do I do? We're going to have sales associates and that's going to be these young adults. And people are going to order through iPads and we're going to have samples of every product on the walls. It's going to look very industrial, have coffee, dog friendly. And then we're also going to do doggy daycare. Um, overnight boarding for dogs and cats, dog walking and grooming. It's, it's awesome. Cool. And you know, all of the management will be people who, you know, I'll pick them from that world who know what they're doing, you know, um, who know the pet industry, which is a phenomenally growing industry. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing. big time, big time. Yeah. But let me get this yeah. straight. You're not only providing Haven for youngsters who are, in recovery, if I understand you correctly, you're actually also taking strays, rehabilitating them, and bringing one and one together like a romance. No, that's that that we're not doing. So this is going to be a retail. Okay. For the, the dog. We lost you Absolutely. there for a moment, mate. I think your mic's off. Okay, there you are. Oh, sorry. You're back Someone again. Someone was calling. So um, it's going to be a, like a vocational. It is going to be a vocational reentry program. It's not just a job. So one right. of the board All members right. is, and in case you know, I'll give you guys a spelling in case anyone wants to look at it. We do have a website up. It's D O G A H O L I X, as in xylophone dot org. And one of the board members is this incredibly accomplished doctor of psychology, and she's going to create the curriculum. And the idea is they're going to have a job. It could be in any one of those areas. It could also be in logistics, um, inventory management. We want to train them in everything we can think of that mm, has mm. you know tangentially associated with what we do. Then we also mm-hmm. want to, the the goal is to also team up with other industries, other programs in the area. And New York City is directly across the river from us, and we want to support these people to get the next job. But the curriculum is, 
you know, not all clients are going to be able or not all employees will be able to, you know, do a six month trajectory and then go get a next job. There are going to be employees that may be dogaholics employees for, you know, Yo, for the future. Yeah. Because that's just, they can't do more, you know, but it's still mm. providing a paycheck. They're working sure. with dogs. We're going to do financial management support with these people. I mean, we really want to bring in a, almost a treatment approach to the job. That's cool. And so, you cover a wide spectrum. And that's why I presented that question earlier on, because it seems like you've created this network, not just this education, but network of bringing a variety of individuals together and creating a multilateral approach. That's commendable. Thank you. Yeah, it's really neat. You're a trailblazer, and I'm not pumping your tires. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. We um, both are going to well, enjoy this. Yeah? Yeah, first, with Annie? newly sober people, you know, obviously you can't bring in people that have been fresh out of jail unless they're really, you can, you know, you interview them and they're ready to to be good citizens and not mm. steal the the bank or, you know, your cash register. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're going to be setting people up for success, even if they don't stay, because you're giving them that self-esteem, that job that they can't find because they don't have a resume. And it, it's just such a, a admirable thing to do. And they Very get to much. help people help their dogs, which everybody's, you know, so happy when you get to help your dog because that's our most loved, yeah. you know, family yeah. member it's like dog. a guide dog I mean, to a blind my person husband. Riding away. <laughs> my dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when uh, when are you gonna open it's up it's gonna be more than oh, do you God. need funding or what's going on two and a half, i got about two and a half million dollars to raise <laughs> holy cow yeah there's there's a lot of work <laughs> and i can it. tell you about the process no i i know i, I know we can because it's it's not just yeah. obviously you know, I, I had the idea, but there's been other people who have supported getting us from where we are to you know, where we were to where we are now. Um, but yeah, I, I think the idea itself is just so it just it makes sense on every level. And it really fixes one of the major issues is mm. we don't the aftercare industry, which is sober livings included. We don't help these young adults get jobs. And it's a huge piece that we have to do. And then the way this will work, you guys, it's going to be a full-fledged business. And mm. the profits will go into an endowment and we'll continue to fundraise. And it's a solvent business. We ran the numbers. We have all the budgets, forecasting. There's a lot of money to be made with that business in Williamsburg. Mm. That will go into a fund. And when we feel we're comfortable with the amount of money in there, then we go to phase two which is helping people with no money. So what we do then is we rent another apartment in Williamsburg. Mm. You know, it'd be uh, almost like a, not, it wouldn't be like the, um, the sober living I have now, which has a lot of amenities, but it'll have, you know, there'll be 24 hour staff, all the food they need, drug tests, support. Mm. And mm. once that is set up, we'll mm. start taking people who have no money and we're going to put them in a 30-day inpatient treatment place that we have worked out relationships with. And then they'll have an apartment, a sober living to move in after, free of cost. We're going to get them therapy. We're going to get them outpatient. And they're going to have a job at Dogaholics when they're ready in their trajectory. 
And then they may be, you know, the first wow. four months may just be them working a 12 step program and doing treatment. But that's where it all becomes like this. It's this cycle that feeds itself. Mm. So it's really mm. like most yeah. nonprofits, you have to fundraise constantly because there's no oh, yeah. revenue stream. This is a social enterprise, mm. which is much different. There's a, a very successful social enterprise in LA called Homeboy Industries that is doing what I want to do. And they did it with um, people coming out of prison. And it's huge. Oh. It's a huge yeah, business yeah. now, been around for over 20 years. So that's our goal. And it's scalable. Any city that has the recovery supports, which most cities do, you can set one of these up. So what do you need to start? Like, what, what would it take? Right now, it's money. Because... Money. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. raised a hundred. I, I raised one hundred fifty thousand dollars over only like two months, and that was the phase of bringing in the the brand manager, creating all the criteria for the website. So the website they see now is the first inclination from about six months ago. The website that will be coming in the future is much different with all the information. But then we had to put together mm -hmm. what's called a pitch deck. Then mm -hmm. we had to create all the financials. And I'm at that point where I have what I need to now go and meet with large donors, you know, donors potential who are investors. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Shark Tank. And in New York, there's, I mean, there's. So much <laughs> you guys, what'd she say? She said Shark Tank. Shark Tank. Well, no, because this is an investment. This isn't. There's no. There's no profit sharing here. This is. Well, what I like about that idea, Benji is the fact that you're getting the community involved. It's not a case of, and I say this for a reason, I recently had to go do a documentary about um, a gentleman who started a nonprofit and he goes from business to business and he advertises himself as a professional beggar, inverted commas, where he would go to certain, I'm not joking, where he goes I, I to certain you. entities, gives them a pitch and say, give us money, not lend us money, give us money, we are have needy people. The problem in that model is they only provide amenities. They don't provide strategy to help people get back on their feet. Yeah. So it doesn't solve the problem. It elongates it. Here, it's more of a fact of you've created an apex where you've said, all right, here's point A. To get to point B, we need to introduce this midsection to take us to point C and then back again at point A, which means that both parties ultimately at the end of the day, even though through a uh, sponsorships and excessive uh, promotion and marketing, even with your fundraisers, you're getting the community involved and they get something out of the experience, which leads to more, I believe, an educated experience and informed decision-making and ultimately an immediate return on investment, which is unheard of. But the problem is we'll, a lot of people, when they hear about investment opportunities, they see everything through a, uh, a prism of what's in it for me. Yeah. But you covered that already mm -hmm. without them even knowing it. So it's like sending them to hell that they look forward to the uh, to the trip, in a matter of speaking. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. It's a great opportunity. Go ahead. Well, it's just a great opportunity. I mean, God, I was just thinking of downtown Ocala. We have this cute historic square. There's always art shows, and I just picture one of those places down there helping people. We have so many addicts and alcoholics yeah. in Ocala that. They 
come from nothing and they need help and they need jobs and they need therapy and they need all these things that they can't get. You know, they don't have two pennies to scratch together. And um, an opportunity like that would be a game changer. I mean, it would just be so cool to have that. I mean, I could, because we have our own magazine here. We have in Ocala magazine and we also have the Ocala (laughs) magazine and, you know, they're really beautiful magazines. And uh, I can just imagine that in one of their magazines, it just seems like it would be so successful, like in a town like mine, you know, where it's up and coming and getting very too crowded, I would say, but it's, (laughs) you know, it's a real horse community and there's a lot, a lot of people. And I just think it would be so cool. Yeah. I want to start. (laughs) Like I need another thing on my plate, but Darren, wouldn't he be great? I, I agree. And you guys have one of the best treatment centers in the country in Ocala too. Yeah. So there, there it's is great. a big recovery community in Ocala for sure. Yeah. The guest house is, is amazing treatment. Which one, the guest house or yeah. the uh, rep? The guest house. Guest house. Yeah. It's, so they're it's for uh, dual diagnosis and it's addiction, but they, they um, focus on trauma. So the founder, Judy, I don't know if Darren told oh. you, but every year I do this intense trauma workshop with like 10 other guys for five days. Judy is the one who runs it. She's incredible. So yeah, there's a, a, wow. a growing community in Ocala for sure. And, and you're right. Like I think this could go anywhere. And I mean, I'll throw out a statistic to you guys, which yes. is like, this was mind blowing when I first heard it. So just last year, mm-hmm. there were over a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand uh, overdoses, overdose deaths in this country, over a hundred thousand in one year in the entirety of the Afghanistan war, which went almost 20 years, only 2,400 soldiers died in that war. Wow. I know. Yeah. That's mind blowing. Crazy. Seriously. I couldn't believe it. And then for every overdose death, there's 119 emergency room visits. So another 119 overdoses that don't die. When I moved to Ocala, I was real heavy in the AA program, you know, and then COVID hit. I've had like five people that I know really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Lost another well, kid I, yesterday. I and mean, wait, I, I, does anybody I'll, know? I'll, I'll, I'm sorry, Chris, but I'll let can you I ask a every, question? You guys, at least every two months, at least every two months, I'm getting a call of another young adult that overdosed mm-hmm. and died. Oh, it's out of control. Damn it. I'm sorry, Daniela, go ahead. I, I think she's having a little class. bit of issues with her internet. So the one thing they don't have in Ocala is good internet. I got <laughs> Careful, she might just snap back on and then she'll bite your head off. It's no, but it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying one word. From Florida, just walked away from their phone <laughs> and the surrounding five states. <laughs> We're talking about dogs earlier on. Uh, I wanted to tell you this story. You're going to love it. Um, 
I was a television producer for a while, but I made my bones in radio. I've recently returned to the industry, and uh, when the pandemic hit, the same with you as well, had to work from home, made myself a little informal studio, and uh, I'm busy doing a rock show, seven to, uh, excuse me, five to eight o'clock in the evening. Now it's winter time, and I'm assuming it's summer there up in uh, the East Coast, and uh, it gets darn cold down here in Southern Africa. So I'm busy hosting a show, and my uh, bull terrier's in the living room, sleeping. And while I'm busy doing a link, he starts dreaming about a rabbit chasing him, and he starts doing that infamous yelp. But he does it without pause, and he does it without ceasing. And I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to pitch my voice to or three octaves higher to try and see if he, if I could drown out his voice out of the mic. And eventually I just couldn't contain it. And I began gut busting. And I said, you know what? My dog has now officially made his uh, official radio debut. Yeah. That's the magic of having a pet. They're yeah. not just to fill space and to help pass the time. It's a relationship. And I said this to Daniela when Daniela and I had just met two years prior, that the unspoken relationship between man and animal as a whole is an area that still needs to be explored, and you're a building block in that, dare I say. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, there's a new documentary on Netflix that um, Barack Obama is narrating, and it's just about that, like taking responsibility and understanding that like, you know, not all, all living things... They're living, you know, mm. be aware of that. Mm. <laughs> they're sentient Even the beings. environment, the plants, yeah. they're living things too. Yeah. In yeah. fact, yeah. when the pandemic started, and I'm not changing tack for any other reason than I read a beautiful quote that states, in the last two years where life has been turned inevitably on its head, let's take one moral lesson away from this and that we are the earth's guests and not its ruler. And to give you a finite example, I was in uh, up in the northwest on safari, and there was a mighty danger of the rhino going extinct. I did tell you that uh, the World Wildlife Foundation instituted a shoot to kill for all poachers who uh, were attacking the rhinos. And seeing the rhinos having multiplied in just under two years reminded me of that quote, that we are the Earth's guests we are not its rulers and we have to look after what we've been gifted because it's a gift and animals are a gift yeah and people who hunt down animals ought to be punished to the nth degree and i don't care what other people say i agree they are our investment i agree i mean if if you really want to get down to it it's just my opinion but i don't you know just because we can talk and have opposable thumbs and we're you know We've developed so much. We we have no more right to this land than anybody else, than anything else on here. I but to go even a step agree. further, like we can't even. That's that's grad studies for humans right now. We can't even like take care of each other. Yeah. We can't even look at each other as <laughs> like sentient beings that have a, just as much of a right. Instead, we're animals. bitching about agreeing to disagree. God, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, so amazing. what's your next so, step? Yeah. I, um, 
just continuing, continuing to fundraise. So there's phases to it. So mm -hmm. we are in phase one, which yeah. is, you know, we have the attorney, the accountant, the board. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I've been registered with the IRS in the state for going on three years now. The pandemic screwed everything up. It was yeah. funny. I had our, we had our first board meeting the last Thursday in February of 2020. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 yeah. And the so, irony is I applied for grad school and everything fell apart before my semester started. Oh, God. <laughs> so everything so, went kaput. Everything went kaflui for all of us. <laughs> oh, the last two years were horrible. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah you were still talking about. Um, oh, so phase one. Phase one, yeah. Continue yeah. on. Phase one is, is the, the backbone, right? Getting the people in there. We have the brand manager. We created the branding. Next is to bring in a PR firm, then a grant writer. So it's just, mm. you know, I, I paused on fundraising because we had to put the pitch deck together and we had to put the financials together. So it's, I'm going to get back out there again. And it's just picking up momentum. And hopefully, you know, once we start holding events and, you know, one donation leads to the next donation. Yeah. We don't, we're not using social media. There is a Dogaholics account on Facebook, but I don't do social media really. So I opened it up. I have Which no idea fine. how to manage it. <laughs> no, that's not. But I'm assuming you do LinkedIn. Get somebody on there. <laughs> no. no LinkedIn. But I'm assuming you do LinkedIn. No. Okay. So. Just purely by word of mouth, which is the most effective form of marketing. Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, it's no, 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 no. It, it's not. It's not. Even if Here's you do social you media, how ultimately, how ultimately does word get around? Not just by a computer screen. You as a person may see it and then you pass it along to your friend. Using what? Sign language. Of course not. This. Word of mouth. Yeah. And we're but you do need social media, case in point. <laughs> we're going to have the social media presence. I'm do it now. Manage it. <laughs> you heard the boss. I don't do it. You heard the boss. I don't do it either, and I can't stand it. Honestly, I rarely even look at Instagram. <laughs> because the problem is, it's social media, so you got to be social. And I, I like to be social, but I don't have time to be social. So <laughs> now I'm proposed with this new thing on Instagram where they want me to be a creator. Like, I have enough jobs, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. Guys, it's I'm always something. Something's got to give. And I, I'm 48. I'm that, like, guy, that old guy on the porch as, like, kids <laughs> go by yelling. I'm like that way with social media. I hate it. <laughs> I've seen what it does to these young adults. And I see what, like, even with me, when <laughs> I'm not looking at Facebook, I'm actually reading the news. I'm learning things. I'm reading long articles. Sure. I sure. If I regress and bring the Facebook app back on, I spend a half hour and all I feel is like crap afterwards. <laughs> it's tiring because you're being bombarded with all these bites of information. And it's yeah, all bullshit. They have a picture of a burrito. It's the best burrito I've ever had. Really? You really need to post Well, that? if you want to argue no, semantics, it's a, it's a form of marketing. It's a form of yeah. marketing based on a person's experience. Maybe better wording could be 
could have been used, but I agree with you. If people don't have anything constructive to say, you know, keep it to yourself, ultimately, at the end of the day. Don't, don't make it an ego game. But let's it's a face reality it. shit show every day. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why it, it's Needless. led to the division in this country, you guys. So my first degree... It led to division in the science. world, mate. It led to well, division in the whole world. I don't know what's going on out there, but here, shit is, <laughs> shit is no good. So, yeah. and that's, the political system is divided in a way I've never seen it before. Same here. And it's because Same here. filtered social media. If I'm far left, all my friends are going to be that. I'm only going to get information from there. It's not balanced. Right. And sure. people that's just so go true. further down the rabbit hole because they're only getting information from like-minded individuals. It's, and they again, call it, in that you know prism. what they call that? Niche. What the fuck? Because your niche doesn't allow those accounts to be, you know, it's insane. I'll take it one step further. Pastiche. Because you're following a pastiche. So you're a pastiche. (laughs) You have obviously spent a lot of time on radio. (laughs) That's the wordsmith. (laughs) <laughs> well, I read a lot of right books. Over to and I look at each other like, yeah. No, it's another word for niche, pastiche. Ah. But, um, okay, well, I, knew, I learned a new word today. I always you know learn words it? from Chris. I call it ignorance. You were saying, Benji? I call it ignorance. <laughs> Who, me? I'm not ignorant. No. I'm open-minded. I'm staying in that. <laughs> I don't know you well enough to call you ignorant. Don't worry. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know. I know. The rabbit holes. Right, yeah, the far left and the far right. It, it's, yeah. it's just ignorance. Just like learn the whole picture. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. I was about to say the same thing. Be open-minded. Yeah. Be open-minded. At the end of the day, if there's also another thing that I try and do in my life, especially in the business that I'm involved in, have a fifty-fifty. Even if it may means that you are a devil's advocate, at least you're taking in information and practicing independent thought. Yeah. And Benji, please don't criticize me for this. I'm a millennial. But sadly, the millennials don't think. They don't practice independent thought. Yeah, but listen, there's plenty of people in my generation who don't do it either. I think it's kind of human nature. Well, yeah, what can you say? I think technology made it worse for my generation. I mean... Yeah, I think so. Things like romance is just (laughs) out the door. But hey, there can always be a little glimmer of hope, and it's not a light at the end of the tunnel, which turns out to be a candle being powered by a generator. Mm-hmm. Benji, thank you so much. <laughs> I love the metaphors. <laughs> He's awesome. Knocked it out the park. Yeah. Um, I beg your pardon. Please repeat that. I said you knocked it out the park <laughs> like a home run. Yeah, you want to stick with it me? Again. I'll take you places. <laughs> Benji, if I. Really say thank you. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. This is really a conversation that has enlightened me. Again, not blowing uh, uh, smoke up your trousers. I really love the project and the idea behind it. I love the fact that you've in... <laughs> Quit blowing smoke up his trousers. I thought that was one I of the just... dogs. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> Whew. In any way, that's mighty pungent. Spike, go back to bed. I'm changing your dog food. But uh, 
I sincerely appreciated that you have created this platform and this wonderful thing. I really sincerely hope that you can get big names attached to this from NPR straight through to big companies who see your idea for what it is, an investment with an immediate return on investment. And for the lives that you've touched currently as part of Williamsburg House and with the lives that you're going to touch, I proclaim it over you. There's power in words. Mm-hmm. Thank you sincerely from the bottom of our heart. And I know that you're not a guy who seeks kudos. I think the joy is seeing uh, 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 lives flourish mm-hmm. that you've helped to touch. That's the big payoff. But uh, you're a trailblazer, mate. Carry that badge with you wherever you go. We're supporting you 100% all the way. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Does anybody have any questions? This is actually an interactive. This is supposed to be an interactive show. So if you have any questions or you're watching live on YouTube, you can always jump on and go to firesidechat.com backslash Daniela Park, and you can request access, and you can poke fun at Chris like I do. And you can become part of the audience. We would love to have you here so you can, um, you know, even if you'd like to ask, let us know. If you have something to say, we want to hear it. We thank you, Benji, for an awesome guest. I love that it's okay for your dog to bark because this is all about dogs today. Hey, look at a baby. Here's the one. Hey, buddy. Uh, thanks so much you guys and then it's, really it's only a pleasure mate look so after yourself nothing thank but the so bliss hey thank you so that's much that's bis live look after yourselves guys cheers Bye, guys.